Hello, and welcome to 7-Minute Opinions, your audio guide to thought-provoking arguments from a variety of writers and thinkers. I'm Emily Hauser, a columnist at The Week, and today I'd like to paint a little audio picture for you of how the world was when Hillary Clinton was growing up. Hillary Clinton's rise to the top of her party's ticket is a big deal. Like, a really big deal. Thanks to you, we've reached a milestone. The first time, the first time in our nation's history that a woman will be a major party's nominee. One might even call it historic. But as with all words endlessly repeated, historic is a little shopworn. Clinton has walked the earth for nearly seven decades, and a lot has happened that gives context to her historic first. Sure, we know what America looks like today, but what did it look like when she began her journey? Well... When Hillary Clinton graduated from high school in 1965, the song Wooly Bully was a chart topper. The song was performed by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs in faux Middle Eastern costumes that today would burn the internet down. In video of the band performing, two women stand entirely still among palm trees. Their only movement is an occasional eye blink, turning them into literal decoration. The Sound of Music had recently left theaters, and the beach party film How to Stuff a Wild Bikini was on its way. Wow, jig that wild bikini. Yeah! President Kennedy was 19 months dead. Martin Luther King Jr. was still alive. 1965 was also the year in which the Supreme Court first established a married couple's legal right to control their reproduction with birth control. The first one, which I will refer to as a use statute, provides that any person who uses any drug, medicinal article, or instrument for the purpose of preventing conception is guilty of a crime. It would be another seven years before single women were granted the same right. Roe v. Wade came down in 1973, which means that Robert Downey Jr., Ellen DeGeneres, and Jennifer Lopez are all older than an American woman's constitutional right to abortion. When Clinton enrolled at the all-women's Wellesley College, her gender would have barred her entry at Harvard's library just 15 miles down the road. When she moved on to Yale Law School, there were only 13,000 female lawyers in the entire U.S. That number more than quintupled by 1980, but even then, women made up only about an eighth of the national total of lawyers. Women are still not equally represented in the legal professions today, and perhaps needless to say, they also earn less than men. Until 1975, Rapists who happened to be married to their victims feared no legal repercussions, but on the other hand, until 1977, a woman could be legally fired from her job for being pregnant, or for merely having the potential to become pregnant. Had enough, or shall I continue? How about this? The first woman wasn't appointed to the Supreme Court until 1981, nearly two centuries after the court was established. In 1991, Anita Hill came forward and testified about a different Supreme Court nominee's long history of sexual harassment. After a brief discussion of work, he would turn the conversation to a discussion of sexual matters. His conversations were very vivid. He spoke about acts that he had seen in pornographic films 
involving such matters as women having sex with animals and films showing group sex or rape scenes. Congress responded by dismissing her out of hand. When Clinton ran for president the first time in 2008, hecklers often called upon her to, quote, iron my shirt. The last one might seem trivial, but it's really not. Over the years that correspond to Clinton's adult life, the nation she may well come to lead has only barely begun to move forward from what amounts to all of human history. During these dark and all-too-recent times, women were not considered human enough to get a say in whether they ironed a shirt, went to the library, or got raped. This is the backdrop to Clinton's path to the presidency, a path she has called long and tiring. And this is what we mean when we call her nomination historic. My favorite bit of historic context, however, is personal. I was born in Park Ridge, Illinois, where Clinton grew up, and not long after a young Hillary finished high school, my mother decided to buy a house. My dad had recently died, and for my mom, the loss meant more than just grief. You see, as a widow, she couldn't purchase a roof to put over our heads, because banks wouldn't give a single woman a loan. So my mother, a grown-ass adult with a college degree and three kids, had to ask her father to come to the bank and sign off on a mortgage. A woman couldn't even have a credit card on her own. When Hillary Clinton was first becoming politically aware, American society still treated women as children, at best. When she became the first female associate at Little Rock's Rose Law Firm, she could have been legally terminated if she became pregnant. And as she continues her historic run for the Oval Office, she must still grapple with the monumental misogyny that defines the party she's running against, and far too much sexism within her own. History and context matter in all human endeavors. When you're first in anything, history often boils down to your greatest opponent. Here's hoping for another historic night in November, and a future in which my granddaughters look back on this campaign and marvel at just how backward we all once were. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Opinions. Look out for new episodes every Tuesday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. For more of the week's selection of podcasts, including 7-Minute Explainers and This Week I Learned, go to theweek.com audio. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, tell your friends, or give us a rating or a review on iTunes. I'm Emily Hauser. Thanks so much for listening.